Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Serious Angler podcast. Today, you're stuck with me, Andrew Fole, as Bailey is flying home from his ice adventure on Millax Lake with his uh, corporate job. So sad to not have Bailey here. As you know, he usually runs the ship. So if we have any technical difficulties, it's all on me. Uh, tonight, we have an awesome guest, uh, Mike Iovino. He is a hair, hair jig champion here in the Northeast. Um, sure if you follow him on social media it'll be linked below um you'll see all the hair jigs and giant large mouth and small mouth he catches i believe on candlewood lake and surrounding lakes in that area so a couple things to note before we bring mike on here first um we're going to be doing our fantasy fishing shows live this year on monday night for the saint john's river we will be going live on january 31st so make sure you guys tune in there's gonna be stuff given away all kinds of goodies from our sponsors down below. Um, so we're really excited about that. Once again, it's going to be Bailey, myself, Adam Deacon, and Adam Bartuzak is going to join in on that one. And we may even have some special guests throughout the year. Those are going to be really fun. So we hope you guys enjoy them as much as you did last year and as much as we enjoy them. So um, a couple more things coming up. Right now we're frozen here in Buffalo. The lake is done until probably hopefully middle of April as to where we have a full slate of guide trips and hopefully the ice gets off our finger lakes sooner. So me and Bailey can get out and fish. Um, make sure you pay attention. We have some other videos coming out with like do it mold stuff. We're going to be tackle tinkering around. So also as always, I've mentioned this multiple times, send in questions and comments to us on our social media pages to me, Bailey, or the serious angler instagram channel because we want to know what you guys want to see so we can put it out there for you but without further ado this awesome episode that's going down today with mike let's get him on here hey. how you doing today mike good how are you good so you as we're talking beforehand you're striper fishing today how was that i was it was pretty good um nothing Nothing too, too crazy, but, uh, you know, I, I, so one of the things that I enjoy doing, we have this cool holdover fishery here in Connecticut and, um, the lakes are all pretty much locked up right now, you know, to the point where you definitely can't get a, uh, a bass boat on them. Um, so the, the river doesn't really freeze over that, that bad. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, Launched out there and, uh, you know, like catch usually a hundred plus fish every single time you go out, which is really cool. They're just holdover fish that come from the Long Island Sound up into the, the fresh water and brackish water in the river. Um, but I, I always bring, um, a little 30 inch ice fishing rod <laughs> and, uh, and uh just like you know drop metal on them you know little ice fishing jigs that i use uh through the ice and yeah. absolutely crush them on it so it's a, that's a lot of fun fighting you know 25 30 inch fish on a rod that's the same length yeah i was just about to ask what the uh average size of those hold holdovers were because some of those atlantic run striped bass are monsters i know but wasn't sure what size you get over there yeah, there's there's big ones in there. I mean, usually you got to fish at night to really target the giant ones, but um, or when the river is like super super muddy. 
mm-hmm. for some reason they really like low light conditions so um but yeah it was a fun time it's always a fun time catching you know 75 80 fish in the middle of january right uh, too much fun i'm jealous it sure beats <laughs> walking a frozen creek up to like your knees and waist and standing on shelf ice today so it's uh it was quite hairy so i'd much rather be in a bass boat chasing striped bass and steelhead but we got to do what we got to do right hey look at it this way at least you weren't standing on hard water like your buddy there yeah so quick little story um ice fishing me do not get along gone through (laughs) um doing stupid stuff so i tend to stay away from ice and when i see shelf ice on the creek i cringe a little (laughs) <laughs> like there's a video today of me like on my knees like shuffling down to make sure it's safe because i'm like i'm gonna go in if because it's like four and a half to six foot deep underneath me but the ice was about 10 inches thick already on a creek oh, wow. with hurt running underneath it yeah Ooh, so yeah. We've, we've had a few days where we've hit like zero at night with highs yep. of 10 at max with sun and the sun doesn't help with the ice formation but when it gets to zero and clear at night it forms quick so um but yeah so as we get going here uh, i just want you to introduce yourself mike tell everybody who you are um maybe when you started fishing and we'll start off there sure uh, so my name is mike Ivino. i am uh i live in connecticut uh fish a lot of uh lakes in the in the area also in you know what what people refer to as upstate new york but it's not actually upstate new york um you gotta understand that everybody from like westchester putnam county and uh you know down into the city upstate Mm -hmm. new york is like you know basically putnam so yeah um which is uh you know basically directly uh due west of like fairfield county in connecticut so uh, which is the southwestern corner. Got it. Um, I uh, grew up, actually uh, got into fishing um, on saltwater. Uh, originally, I'm from the Bronx, New York. Um, my uncle was the first mate on a charter boat. Got me on there when I was like three. Uh, and I never really looked back. When my family moved to Connecticut, I started like because we lived inland of the sound, I, I started freshwater fishing. Started like, you know, wading in ponds and stuff like that. There was this pond, it's called Ball Pond, that like, it's like, half of it is like, you can wade basically like, chest deep max. So I literally oh, just walk around the entire half of the uh, southern half of the pond. Um, just like sight fishing for largemouth. And that's kind of how I fell in love with bass fishing, but, uh, got involved with, you know, a junior bass master program when I was about 11 years old. Um, that sparked my love for tournament fishing and I've been doing that ever since. And, um, somewhere along the way, I was fortunate enough to kind of make a name for myself in the area and, uh, was able to, to pick up a, a pretty successful guiding business as a result so i guide quite a bit now and uh that's it i mean my life is basically you know working work family and fishing it's it's a great life to live 
I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so, oh, I don't think uh, many people would, honestly. Like, I'm in a similar boat. My, I work to fit. Well, I should say I fish to work now as opposed to work to fish. But um, it, it's a great feeling knowing that you have a great support system behind you that allows you to fish as well. So, Absolutely. yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming you probably have a very similar situation over there. So if you had to pick the hardest fighting saltwater fish, like your first memorable fish, what would it have been? Because if New York City, I'm thinking probably like a blue fish because they're just abundant down there, I would assume. So, yeah, as far as abundance is concerned, blue fish are, are pound for pound. They're, they're they're tough um but uh one of the one of the fish that is kind of like a i guess you can call it kind of a bone bonus fish um that we get uh usually late september maybe early september if we're lucky through you know october november is uh false albacore mm-hmm. and uh target those on light tackle and they just scream drag off your reel. It's insane. It's a it's a tiny little tuna. So fun. They they are they're a blast to catch. Um, <laughs> and once you once you actually catch those, it like makes it tough to like want to fish for something else. <laughs> so um, so I'm I'm happy they're only around for like a month and a half or two months out of the year. Is that, I'm assuming it's like a migration route then that yep. kind of swings them through. Exactly. So, if we get a big storm off, like offshore, um, you know, like if we, if we get a hurricane that comes up the East Coast, it'll usually push them into the Long Island Sound mm-hmm. uh, and it can push them in kind of early. So that's when, you know, we end up seeing them in, you know, late September, sort of like the end of hurricane season. Um, it's like a good and bad thing that that happens because there's probably a storm coming, but you get these really fun fighting fish as a result. Yeah, they stick around for a few weeks thereafter too. So awesome. Yep. So do you remember like what your biggest largemouth was at first in that pond that really like got you stuck? My personal best, dude. That's Um, awesome. When you're 11 years old, absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, I caught it. Yeah, I was young. Um, I don't know exactly how old I was, uh, 11 or 12. Um, But uh, there's this guy um, who lived across the street from, so my parents joined this, uh, this private beach, which was the like, you know, part of the this community for the the lake. And uh, I would fish there all the time. And there was a guy that lived like a few houses down who was an immigrant from Nicaragua and his name was Walter. And he would invite me and my dad over to fish all the time because he was just like, you know, not the best fisherman and wanted to figure out how to catch fish. So I was uh, overfishing his property one day and it was like, this is like the first year that gulp came out. Oh boy. And and they, (laughs) they, the first bait that they had, I think was the the gulp sinking minnow and they only had it in like the most obnoxious color ever which is like it was like chartreuse pepper it was, i remember know, that because that was like their sinking version of the sanko right yeah, the yeah, sinking it's minnow. yeah it's a gulp sanko yeah yeah it's like a sanko made out of leather 
<laughs> so <laughs> I remember so those. Oh yeah. I uh I I was like, you know, I thought I was hot shit and grabbed a, a pack of those and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna catch him on this. Well I, I I actually ended up catching my personal best on it. Uh <laughs> and it was ten two. Oh, that's a giant. Um, and I didn't even know like that it was that giant of a bass. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I wasn't like I knew it was huge. And like they were like uh Walter's property like a butted like a main road kind of um they had like a right away where his dock was like on the opposite side of the street from his house and people like were like stopping on the road and looking at me and like honking holding this <laughs> like oh my god i've never seen anything like that before but uh the the worst part is that uh walter <laughs> him you know being from you know nicaragua and just like you know, being from a, a completely different culture, he goes and he gets his scale from his house to weigh it. And I watch him weigh this fish. And as soon as he weighs it and, you know, tells me how, how big it is. And I see on the scale, like it's 10 pounds. I'm like, Oh my God. He literally fires up his grill and just throws the whole fish right onto it. Oh my God. <laughs> Alive. <laughs> like didn't even fillet it. Didn't even season it. Wow. Just, <laughs> He's like, thank you. That poor like, fish. Oh, well, all right. There goes that one. Oh, well, the good news is that fish's genetics are already in that lake multiple times. So, yeah, I haven't gotten to fish the lake too much. That that pond, um, call it a pond, but it's it's pretty big. Um, I, I mean, it's been forever, and uh, it's a rowboat only. You know little rink-a-dink launch mm -hmm. uh so it would be interesting to get back there and see how the fishery is doing yeah hopefully he hasn't eaten all of them just uh, flesh grilled <laughs> i don't even so... know if he lives there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is just crazy that's actually a pretty wild fishing story i was gonna ask you what your craziest fishing story is but i i think that kind of like would sum up possibly <laughs> like the, like i caught my pb it's a 10 pounder the guy's dock that fish on just snatches it and throws it right on the grill for the family. Like, like just... I mean, literally, the thing was still kicking in there when he put it underneath the, the grill cover. I was like, oh, my God. Sizzling. Whole fish. <laughs> oh, man, that is so funny. <clears throat> so let, let's uh, fast forward a little bit now after your PB. Do you remember your first tournament you fished? I do. Yep. And how did it so, go for you? Uh, it was it was interesting. So <laughs> it was uh, a tournament that they have in Connecticut. I think they still run it every year. It's called the Mixed Open. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, basically for guys to fish with their, you know, wives or sons and daughters or, um, you know, guys can fish, you know, with young kids, which is how – I ended up linking up uh, uh, the guy who ran the junior Bassmaster program. I hadn't even fished the first tournament yet. I had just joined the junior Bassmaster program like the night before. We had our first oh, meeting wow. ever. He's like, and he was like, oh, there's this tournament tomorrow, and I know a guy looking for somebody to fish with, and you know they have to be under a certain age. He's like, are you interested in fishing? It? Um, I was like, yes, sign me up. So yeah. Uh, I showed up and fished uh, this mixed open on Candlewood Lake. Um, 
with this guy named Spike, who I have never seen again. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Out of his uh, super, super old Astro Bass boat. And uh, I remember being so pumped because, like, so I, I didn't have, like, a ton of a ton of gear at that point or anything like that. I was, like, still fishing, like, freshwater fishing. I was using, like, little, like, trout rods and stuff like that. Six For a pound vest. And, yeah, I was using, you know, Sankos, basically, is, like, you know, I thought it was the greatest thing on the planet. And I caught, like, eight fish. And, like, they were all, like, two-pounders. And I was like, oh, my God, like, we could possibly win this tournament. <laughs> and I, I had no idea, you know, what Candlewood was capable of and all that. So I was super stoked. And then we get back to the way and everybody's got these like monstrous bags and we weigh in like 12 pounds for five. And I was like, Oh, well, guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Spike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so funny. Yes, yeah, so and, and then like the following week was my first junior tournament. So I mean that that but that really got me got me hooked on on tournament fishing. It was really it was a cool experience. Now uh, memorable one at least. Oh, absolutely. I mean like trying to think of my first tournament. Uh, oh, I remember it was terrible. My first cast, I bought a bait cast for like a week before my first cast, I bird's nested it. And I was throwing the old Smithwick rattling rogue, the the old oh, yeah. good ones. And uh, as I'm pick, I I got a good fair amount away, but I literally like as I was pulling the bird's nest out, I had a four eight smallmouth smoke it like just suspended <laughs> like a foot underneath the water. So I'm like pulling it out, all of a sudden my rod gets ripped out of my hand, and I remember that tournament vividly because I uh, caught one on the Smithwick rattling rogue. And I almost won it with two fish. It was on uh, one of our little finger lakes here, but it was terrible for fishing. I had like a die off the year before. And I had almost 10 pounds for two smallmouth, the two biggest smallmouth I've ever seen or caught in my life. And um, my boater had one fish and it was like like a great giant largemouth, like a five and a half. And I think he finished fifth and I came in like fourth or third. And the first place had like 10 and a half. And I was like a half pound shy. And I lost another one because I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I was like, I could have won this tournament. This is easy. Yeah. Like, next well, tournament hey, is zero. I mean, at least you caught that, that giant <laughs> while, while, when you had a bird's nest. I mean, it was, that's pretty, that's pretty I'm like pulling right out. And I'm, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and there's big pike in the lake. So I just thought it was a pike because I'm, I'm like those jerk bait type baits. I didn't even know how to fish it. Like I'm pretty sure I was like reeling it in and like slightly twitching, like just dumb. And now I'm like, wow, I can actually fish a jerk bait. Isn't it amazing, day. dude? Like, I, you know, I think back to like, like when I was when I was like bank fishing and when I first got into bass fishing and like I think about like all the things that I used to do and catch fish on, and I'm just yeah. thinking to myself, how the hell did I catch fish? Yeah. doing that. I, I can name two baits off the top of my head that I had in my tackle box all the time. Rapala Shad Wrap in size 7 in black and silver or blue and silver. Staples. And a white Mr. Twister. Like, that's all I threw growing up. And caught <laughs> tons of fish out. Now I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I, I used to, man, I used to live and die by those. They were, I don't even understand how these things caught fish looking back at it. But, man, did, did they crack them. Um it, it's it's like a, a lipless, and I think Berkeley made it. Um, but it's it was like, like a frenzy. Half, no, it was it was it was half 
solid plastic and half rubber. Interesting. I, I would kill him on it. I've ne- I, I, you know, and it's like, I don't, like, I don't even know. I've never seen him. I haven't seen him in forever and forever. But, um, yeah, it was one of those, like, I would never throw that now. <laughs> I would the laugh at somebody of... who was throwing that. You know what like, I mean? What are you it's doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I used to catch him on it like crazy. Same thing with, like, a, like those, those little tiny, um, like, hula poppers and stuff yeah. like that. And, and I'll never forget, like, when, like, Jitterbox. the first, like, weedless frog came out. It weighed, like, nothing. And, you know, it was, it was like, it was the best thing on the planet. Oh, I, I was casting it on, like, eight-pound mono. Oh, not a clue what was going on. Like, the original scum frogs that came out in, like, what what was that? Like, 2001, maybe? I think you're talking around that time, right? It was, or, some, it was something around there. Yeah. Because yeah. I think... I remember my dad bought some of those and we went to this little creek by our house and I remember watching this bass come up. I think I was like 10 at the time. Miss it. And the mouth on I swear back then was like this big, but in reality it was probably like a three pounder. But like, I was like, that thing's awesome. And he never caught a fish on it, but he, he would always get like crazy blow ups. And I just remember him casting and just straight reeling it in. And here we are today, like we have to do all this crazy stuff with our frogs and he's just sitting there straight reeling and they're blowing up on it. Like unbelievable. That's probably where like a zoom horny toad came into play because these guys are casting those frogs out. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, it's knows? just it's interesting how like simple things used to be and how versus how complicated yeah. like once you dive down the rabbit hole, if you will, of bass fishing, <laughs> how like how crazy and intricate things get versus how simple they used to be. Yeah. Meps inline spinners, right? Like you can Absolutely, go out and man. catch hundreds of fish on those, and now we don't even laugh. Now we just laugh at them when we see them. <laughs> it's like who throws I still that? Throw an inline spinner quite a bit. Oh, they're good. Um, they're actually <laughs> so. We have our Great Lakes fishery here, and then we have all the tributaries that dump into them. In the yep. springtime, we can go with like a MEP size three inline, no feather, just like black and silver. Yep. Black and yellow is a really good one. And you just slow roll it right underneath the surface. You can catch 100 fish on them a day. But I don't use them ever in, like, a tournament situation. I'm like, why wouldn't I? Because I can catch 100 of them on a creek. But, I mean, it's just funny. Like, if you talk to, like, some of the guys that are, like, diehard bass fishermen, like, oh, you don't need an inline spinner. It's like, yeah, there's times and places for everything. We just that's a, we that's a, overcomplicate a everything. Little... Sneaky little co-angler tip, I think. Yeah. That, oh, so I I had some, I fished out of the back of the boat quite a bit when I was younger. And there was, I mean, I already knew Candlewood extremely well at this point, but they were on an inline bite. And uh, I got paired up with this guy who was like, you know, he was like, oh, we're going gonna to go throw giant spinnerbaits really shallow and burn the crap out of them and i'm gonna catch you know big fish and i'm like all right cool you know do your thing and i would always as a co-angler do things like totally different than, than the boater who i was fishing with and honestly I, I at this point you know i was maybe 15 or 16 and i knew the lake better than 90 percent of the guys that were fishing as boaters because 
I was already, you know, I mean, I was, I would fish every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I lived like seven or eight minutes from the ramp on Candlewood. I bought my first bass boat when I was 14. And, you know, I, I, I was there all the time. So I knew that lake really well, but they were on an inline bite, and I would literally just chuck this inline out into the middle of the lake, and it didn't even matter where I was, and just slow roll the inline. You know, it could have been over 30, 40 feet of water, and I was yeah. smoking them out of the back <laughs> of this guy's boat, and he was losing his mind. <laughs> so I gave him the inline, and like, you know, he, I was like, just do this, and he caught his limit in like 15 minutes, and I mean, I, I was done fishing, honestly, for the day. <laughs> Two hours in. It's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, co-angler tip. Throw that inline spinner. It works really well. I actually have a buddy who won a tournament on the Upper Niagara probably 15 years ago when um, before, like, electronics got any good, maybe even 20 years ago. And he ended up catching, I think, like 15 or 16 pounds on an inline spinner. He was telling me and won by like six pounds. Yeah. He's like, it's the biggest bag I ever caught. And there's very, like, he goes, I don't even know how it happened, but I just caught five in like eight casts. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) He's like, I always thought it was a gimmick. He's an older guy. He's like, I never thought of it. I just, I try everything and the the situation I thought would work and it worked. I was like, have you thrown in sense? He's like, nope. (laughs) Yep. We're nuts. We're all nuts, yeah, dude. Yeah. It's like, it's like, how many of them do you got, Jimmy? He's like, oh, probably like 200. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Just so funny. So uh, we'll kind of move into the guiding aspect. What made you want to become a guide? Uh, So for, I want to say it was like 2010, maybe 2011. The economy was just trash, and uh, I got laid off. Um, well, actually, what happened was the company I was working for got bought out, and I was a contract employee, so they just, like, you know, did away with all the contract employees, and I was like, I needed to figure out a way to, to you know, live. <laughs> so Absolutely. I, uh, I started uh, offering trips and, I was surprised by the, uh, by the response, um, you know, back then it was a little different than it is now. Uh, so then I, I got to the point where, you know, I was doing quite a few and, uh, you know, it was working out pretty well, but, uh, then, you know, I ended up landing, uh, you know, another job and, and went that route and kind of forgot about guiding for years. And then I, decided recently last year to uh to come back to it um there's a it seems like there's like just like an influx of, of guides in this in this part of the country particularly in the state of connecticut and you know there's a lot of guys who you know I, i'm not really sure that they that they uh have any business guiding to be completely honest with you yeah so um it was one of those things where i was like you know i'm gonna offer people trips and do it the right way and um you know make sure that they have good experiences and i i remembered why i loved it so much you know taking kids out taking people out who have never experienced smallmouth fishing like 
what we have on Candlewood Lake or, you know, a lot of people live in, in the area of Candlewood and fish it frequently, but just don't understand how to approach the lake mm-hmm. and um, fail to, to really find ways to connect with those big fish. And, you know, when I, when they finally have like the aha moments on your boat, it's, it's really rewarding. Um, so that's why I, I keep doing it. It's awesome. There's, there's nothing better than seeing somebody else <coughs> catch a giant fish, smallmouth, largemouth striper, like the pure joy and excitement, I think is what we can relate to is why we are guides. Like, being able to share the experience with somebody else on why we love it so much and to see their eyes just like pop yeah. out of their head when they have it. There's, the satisfaction that comes from that is incredible. Yeah. I so. mean, listen, you know, there's, there's downsides too, Andrew, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, listen, oh, yeah. not every, not every client is a walk in the park no. and not and every day get, is easy. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get some demanding folks too, you know, um, and and that's you know the the downside of it when you know fishing's really tough and you got you know a, a client that doesn't really understand that and um you know fortunately I, I haven't run into that this season but I, I know it's I know it's coming so no, there uh, will be that day <laughs> right yeah and so you know I mean there's there's always that but honestly for you know every one of those experiences you know I think there's like three or four of the the great ones and mm-hmm. uh you know that, that's that's why i continue to do it and i think like you know father-son trips are like uh, the best thing ever <laughs> yeah just like or like you know i had this one um this one trip that i like i really really remember from uh years back it was uh this dad and he had two twin boys and uh they were just so so passionate about fishing but like had never experienced the, you know the, the kind of fishing that, that candlewood had to offer you know they were fishing like ponds and stuff like that and they were super passionate about it but they they never had the opportunity to fish like you know world-class fishery like candlewood is and um they had a really really good day but like the, the, one of the kids caught this like five pound largemouth on a worm and he was just so stoked about it. He he, he was just like out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, like people people like get on Ike about how he how he goes like crazy when he catches a fish. Like this kid was literally going nuts like that. I love it. <laughs> but but it was it was just the coolest thing. Um, and, and and like you said, it's just super super rewarding. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's why I do it more than anything. Not, you know, right now I'm not doing it for, for the money or anything like that. I mean, the money's great and all that, but you know, there's, there's better ways to make money than guiding. That's for sure. But it's, yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's the experience part that, you know, it's, it's rewarding for everyone mm-hmm. and, uh, creating those experiences is is you know kind of like the high i get out of it i guess you could say yeah yeah there's nothing better than a really good day on the water with people that are very inexperienced and i think as guides um there's two different types of people so let me like step back here there's two different types of fishermen right there's guys that think they can catch everything 
or anglers that think they can catch everything and they're like the world-renowned greatest anglers. And then you have guys that become guides who just want to share information and teach and enjoy like time on the water. There's almost like a greater purpose behind being a guide than just fishing. Oh, without, without a question. I, I, you know, tournament fishing is great, but like, you know, for me, like, I have no, I've never had aspirations to become a professional bass angler. Yeah. Um, I think they, they live an insanely tough life. Uh, I know a bunch of them. I'm friends with a bunch of them. Um, and, you know, my hat's off to them. But, you know, I'm traveling around the country for six, seven months out of the year and, uh, you know, living in an RV or, you know, staying in Airbnbs you know, being away from your family, never been, never been for me. No. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I've taken that, that avenue as far as I, as I wanted to. Um, so like, you know, the tournament ego thing is just not, you know, not, not really for me. Um, as far as like, you know, local tournaments and guys who like, you know, think it's their entire life. <laughs> um, the guy My favorite aspect. type of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, it's well, we won't talk about that. But yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the guy, the guys who get mad at me for for taking people places and and you know showing them a good time. Um, it's uh, it's tough dealing with those kinds of people sometimes. But uh, when, when when you're guiding, it's like you're you're introducing somebody else to to something that you really love so it's it's just i mean honestly there's there's nothing better yeah it's funny like i i purposely don't fish a lot of tournaments on lake erie here in buffalo unless they're bigger ones because i'm like you know deep water smallmouth are so fragile that i'm like you know why do i want to go out there catch 40 50 fish that i need tomorrow for my guide trip and stick them with needles run them back in and then have to worry about refining them the next day or two days or four days later so it's like oh like i love tournament fishing don't get me wrong i absolutely love it but i'm in the same boat probably like 10 years ago i was like oh i want to be a professional fisherman i want to travel the country i want to do all these things and you're probably in a similar place at one point in your life. Like all I want to do is fish. And then um, I became a guide and I'm like, you know, this is way too much fun. Like seeing (laughs) how much people laugh and like jump for joy when they hook like a four pound small mouth. And here I am chuckling myself. I'm like, you haven't seen anything yet. Like wait till the next one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This is six or the seven. Like, that's the craziest thing ever. Like, my first day guiding um, this spring, last spring, it was, like, April. Uh, I had this guy drive up from, oh, where is he from? Like, Ithaca area, if I remember correctly. And I went out and pre-fished the night before, and I sent him a screenshot of my graph. And I go, these are all the fish we're going to catch tomorrow. There's some big ones, but there are a lot of, like, three-pounders. And we're going to be fishing swim baits on a 100-yard stretch, and we're going to catch 100 fish. At the end of the day, I think I, we had 137. Damn. And they were all three to six pound smallies. 
And he was like, this is wild. I was like, well, it's April. Come with me in July and you won't think it's wild anymore. Like, we're going to be out in the lake grinding for seven bites, but they're going to be all four pounders. So it's like, that's the two things. It's crazy that Great Lakes fishery is different. But he's like, I think I'm only going to come at this time of year because that was just insane. Like, perfect. (laughs) And there's nothing better. And I'm sure you get this a lot, too. Like, having people, like, get off the water and be like, put me down for next year the same day. Oh, it's it's so so awesome, man. Like, so I, my book for, like, next year is, like, I'm already, like, super booked up because my i mean my availability is not crazy as it is just because yeah. i i work a full-time you know, regular job mm-hmm. and a pretty demanding one at that but um i like i started booking for april and may and i literally have no dates left yeah for april or may of 2022 like, oh and, then, <laughs> and, like, and i'm like holy cow like i started booking like three weeks ago and all my dates are, are gone and 95% of them are people who I took out last year. Yeah. Who want to come again. And then, you know, the guys are like, all right, you know, I want to go in June too. And I want to go in the summer and I, I want to get out with you in the fall and in the winter. And I'm like, Holy cow. Like, I'm not going to be able to take anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just going to be repeat. And I mean, that's <laughs> like the greatest part. And I can say that I have pleasantly been surprised by how many people have booked like multiple trips with me. Like on the steelhead side, just walking creeks, I got like four or five guys that seem to go with me like every week. And I'm like, I can't keep posting pictures of them because people are going to think they're my only clients. (laughs) 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 But like, it's wild. So like I do the guiding basically quote unquote full time. I can guide any day, but I have a pharmaceutical delivery job that I do when I don't have days booked just to make extra money. Cause it's not a very glorifying life of the guide. Like, I'm very blessed in my home situation and my wife has a very, very good job and she afforded me the opportunity to step into like the full-time fishing role. But um, it's not easy. Just booking trips, like I'm looking at I'm like, oh man, I need to figure out how I'm going to get like 70 more trips next year to make it work. And that's with almost all of my clients from last year booking like two-day trips. So, and it might not be 70 anymore. My goal is 100 trips a year. It's not 70. It's probably like 50 I have left. And I'm like, I don't even try to book at this point because now I'm getting all these like referrals from those guys as well. That's the best part, I think, is how many of your clients end up giving you referrals? Have you seen the same thing over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, or like the guy who will come out with you um, and who's like, oh, I got to get you know, my buddy so-and-so out here with me, or I got to get my son out here with me, yeah. or, you know, I, I got to get, you know, my, my my boss out here with me to experience this too. And then he ends up bringing four or five different people. Yeah. Um, and then they know, all rebook with another person. It's wild, man. I mean, yeah. it, but, you know, that's indicative of, you know, doing your job, right? I mean, so with, with guiding, I personally feel like every 
ship needs to be handled differently. You know, you have clients you're trying to 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 cater, or I try to cater every trip towards them and their expectations, mm-hmm. what they want to get out of it. Um, so I have that conversation with them ahead of time, and you know, I try to to cater the trip to that conversation. And you know, I think a lot of people think that guiding is just you know, going out there and trying to help people catch fish. But I mean, it's, it's so much more. I mean, sometimes people want to learn a specific technique. Sometimes people just do want to go out and bullshit and catch fish or, or, or catch as many fish as they possibly yeah. can. Um, yeah, it all, it all depends on, you know, what the people are looking to get out of the trip. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think when, ever since I've approached it that way, I mean, I kind of always have, but you know, ever since I started doing like the calls ahead of time and, and the, the relationship building, I mean, that's a huge part of, of being a successful guide. I think, um, you know, does it get annoying, you know, getting calls about, you know, fishing some pond, um, you know, some time of year and what you would, you know, recommend to that person. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm throwing darts at the board here because I've never seen the body of water, but and it's twelve fifteen in the morning. Like, why are you texting me while I'm sleeping? (laughs) Yeah, those are those are the clients I could do without. Um, Oh, good, we uh, all. Yeah, (laughs) but um, you know, when when it's also nice to know that they value your your opinion like Mm -hmm. that, and that's that's how they they look at you as their sort of like you know resource for uh, for fishing knowledge, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and like as much as we say we can do without those clients, usually those are the ones that come with you like eight times. They give you the best tip. They invite like nine different friends and they all bring. So you're like, I could do without them or her, but they're awesome because they've been out with me so many times and I can't. I just respond usually the next morning or I'll be like, hey, man, like it's one thirty in the morning. I'm sleeping call me tomorrow like because my phone's always going off i feel like it never stops so i'm Children just in life. yeah like, like i have uh it was funny with bailey I, I made a joke with him the other day a couple weeks ago and i was like you know i have enough little brothers i don't need another one but i was like you're more than welcome like because it's just like it never ends it, but it's just with the whole guiding thing, I think it's cool because the relationship side of it. You meet so many awesome people. You make so many friends. And one of the things I try to do with all my clients is like anytime, as long as it's a reasonable time of day, call me or text me. I don't care. I'm an open book. Like you booked a trip with me. You're going to get everything I can help you with. I don't care. So like just let me know how I can help you. And 100% the same way, and probably make myself too available, but you I know think what we all do. What it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there's different types of people in the world. There's people that want your money and that will take you fishing that one time and don't care if they hear from you again. And then there's people that are more than willing to take the time out and lend you a helping hand and also are just genuinely want to be available because our. Let's face it, our time on Earth is short. Why not be as helpful as possible to everyone that we possibly can? And you never know that one person that you're going to truly like 
touching like the mind and soul that they're like, wow, this is incredible. So like I try to handle every person the same and just like kindness, just be kind. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Gotta be patient with people. You know, uh, it's, it's not easy managing all the different personalities that we run into. Oh, it's crazy. Everybody probably (laughs) thinks, you know, we just go out there and, and try and help people catch fish and, you know, fish alongside of them. But, uh, you know, there's, there's so much more than that. And that's, you know, the difference between somebody who's like, you know, legit guys and then somebody who's just, you know, there to, to cash in on a natural resource. Right. And to go fishing. Like, yeah. like, yeah, we'll go out fishing, but you got to pay me. And I, exactly. and, and I mean, I won't lie, like some trips I fish more than others, but it all depends on the client and what they expect from you as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to, I actually fish a lot on trips, but like, I'm not like, you know, fishing like I would normally fish. You know I'm what I mean? Experimenting. I'm to, yeah. Yeah. I'm fishing, trying to like, you know, Sometimes I'll do it just to show people that, like, there's fish to be caught. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, sometimes it is user error, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh, most of the time, it's just to, you know, kind of get a, get my finger on the pulse of how the fish are acting. Yeah. More than anything else. Oh, and I mean, like, the biggest thing I've learned from, like, I, it's not that I have to fish while I'm on it, but while you're on the front of the boat controlling the boat, it's easier to fish because you get proper boat positioning, et cetera, instead of because you're more focused at that time. And I think yeah. it takes a special type of person to be able to have control of the boat, be tying up somebody else's gear, telling them where to cast while fishing at the same time. Like, no, you're doing that wrong. Come on, like this. Like, it, yeah, it's so not. It's funny it, you bring that up. I think yeah. one of the hardest things is, is boat positioning for other people. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not easy. No, from like a tournament aspect, like you're on the front of the boat, all you care about is catching fish for yourself. And even when I was a boater and I'd have random co-anglers in the back, I always had like this mind conscious thing like, I'm going to catch my five, I want to get them their limit too. So I always tried to find the angles for the boat to make that happen. So yeah, it, you get like two or three people too, you know, yeah. so it's like, even more making difficult. sure that they're all you know kind of in the strike zone mm-hmm. it's, it can be difficult especially when you know bass boats how they're oriented is yeah. you, know, you have a trolling motor on the front and that's you know how you position the boat so it's yeah. like you know sometimes you got to do some weird stuff to put people in 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 the uh in the right place at the right time yeah, absolutely. So as we're uh, moving in here, I know I told you it'd be about an hour or so, but we're like 45 minutes in. So let's dive into the real subject and hair jigs and kind of oh. get off this guiding thing here. You're tying <laughs> them up. So um, why hair jigs? Why did that become your thing, Mike? Uh, so, I mean, you know, honestly, it's I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, my my thing, but uh, I do love fishing them. Uh, I think just like being from where I'm from, as far as like, you know, having the background that I have in in fishing in general, it's, it's made me a finesse fisherman Mm -hmm. just cause we, you know, 
Candlewood particularly is a super heavily pressured body of water that's small. And it, it's it's tough to to go there and just power fish all day long and catch the crap out of them when everybody else is doing it. So you kind of have to be, uh, well, you definitely have to be a versatile angler, but you definitely have to have finesse in your arsenal here. And um, found out about hair jigs very early on in you know my freshwater fishing uh, career, I guess you could call it. Uh, and it's a super old school method of, of fishing and I loved how finessey it was and the bite is super addicting. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I like the light line. I like the, you know, light tackle. Um, so I like that aspect of it quite a bit. And then, you know, all the different things you can do um the, the hair that you can experiment with the patterns that you can can experiment with it's just fun so that's kind of awesome. what what sparked the the interest um as it, when it comes to hair jigs but <clears throat> why i started tying my own is because nobody made a jig the way that i wanted it Mm-hmm. So I just said, all right, I am going to figure out how to tie and then I'm going to tie for myself. Started, you know, giving them to some friends. Um, I was having insane success on them and I was like, is it just me or is it the way that I'm tying these things? Um, and sure enough, a lot of it was the way that I was tying. Mm-hmm. So you know, after getting that feedback, that kind of led me to start offering them for sale to, you know, I kind of pick and choose who I sell them to, to be honest with you. I understand that. Um, <laughs> because it, 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 it's like a, it's a painful task. It, mm-hmm. It's tedious doing this. Like, tie, I think last year I tied, um, almost 4,000 jigs. It sucks. (laughs) Your hand starts to hurt. You get pricked all the time, (laughs) separating the hair fibers. Like, like I, I like that. I try some of my own lady in, uh, what is that Adam Sandler movie? Oh, I think it's happy Gilmore. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, my fingers hurt. Oh yeah. The Mista, (laughs) is it the Mista Mista lady? Oh no, it's not the least. The least the least, you know? Oh, I I think I know. Like they're all like they're like making the quilts or something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no more, no milk for you at nap time or something. <laughs> That's a nice cold glass of shut the hell up. <laughs> movie is so funny, but like I know you're tying with different uh, fibers there. Like just marabou jigs in general are a pain to tie because they make oh, yeah. nuts. Absolute mess. Like I find feathers like in four rooms across my house that I have no yeah. idea how they got there. Why do you think I'm in this dungeon? 
<laughs> if I bring this hair upstairs, my wife is going to murder me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you bring it upstairs anyways. She's like, oh, yeah. Mike, I what mean, is this? Purple. <laughs> it gets, you know, it gets stuck on you. It gets stuck on your shoes. You know, it's, it's, it's all over everything. But, you know, at least I keep my mess to the, to our, uh, our storage area. Perfect. <laughs> so what is your go-to hair then to tie with? Because that is not marabou. No, no. The the go to for me is synthetic hair, craft hair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, you know, this is craft hair right here. It's, yes. So definitely not as as like cellular fluffy as marabou is, right? So this is a marabou jig. Yeah. You see how fluffy this is. I mean, if I you blow yeah. on it, the hair goes crazy. You blow on this, not so much. Yeah. Um, and the same thing kind of in the water. The the, the less uh, porous material, less cellular material. So it doesn't absorb as much water, doesn't move as much in the water. Um, and, you know, it's a cold water technique for the most part. You know, some people will say the hair jigs work all year. I think in certain places they work all year. I think in the Great Lakes they work all year. But I think outside of, honestly, the Great Lakes, the St. Lawrence River, uh, St. Clair and those really unique kind of clear bodies of water that are super, super North as far mm-hmm. as, you know, the United States is concerned. They don't work all year. They, it really only works, you know, into May. Yeah. And at least here in Connecticut, it's, it's, I mean, once that water gets to 55, 60, it's, it's time to, to move on to, to other techniques that will work far better um because you know we don't have those those shallow fish that stay shallow all year long that are you know sight feeding in clear water mm-hmm. like you guys have up there and like you know particularly st lawrence has um you know lake superior all the great lakes and then you know into wisconsin and minnesota too all those bodies of water are the same and then all the way up into Canada. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so the cold water uh, means that, you know, you want to have something that moves a lot less, um, mimics something that's torpid. I don't know what the heck this looks like, <laughs> but they eat it. So that's all that really matters to me. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I could see it resembling is like a leech. Like how many times growing up did you use leeches as bait? Like early on and get a lot of bites. Leeches tend to come out like right after ice out, as soon as the water starts to warm slightly. And they don't have a ton of movement when they're cold. To me, that would resemble a leech. I could see it. Don't get me wrong. But I have never in my life the millions of times I have swam in Candlewood Lake Saw and leech. walked in the water, seen a leech or had one attached to me. So <laughs> who um, knows? I have no idea. Some people uh, years ago, somebody was trying to tell me it was like a, a baby catfish. Other people were trying to tell me that, uh, you know, Helgramite is a big thing. Um, you know, they could potentially mimic. Bottom line is, dude, I don't know. But uh, as long as they keep biting them, I will keep throwing them yeah. <laughs> and tying them for that matter. Now, is there like a certain setup you're using to throw the hair jigs on? 
Uh, usually it's, you know, you can get away with light stuff. Uh, depends on the jig I'm throwing. So like the Marabou, uh, I usually use like a longer rod, mm-hmm. um, 7.2, medium light. Uh, sometimes if I'm really looking to get a super long cast, uh, seven, I have a seven, six that I, that I use also for spy baiting that will double as my, my early spring marabou rod. Um, but for the, for the dragging jig for that, you know, synthetic, um, jig that's fished on the bottom, I use a six ten uh medium light zodius and that's it's hard to beat that i mean the only rod that i've that i've personally used that felt a little better was the x pride Mm -hmm. um but six pound fluorocarbon i use straight fluorocarbon i hate braid to fluoro i despise it uh, just cause I get so many wind knots and they just drive me insane <laughs> and, uh, retying leaders also drives me nuts. Uh, so I save a lot of time by using fluorocarbon. Um, but that, that's it. That it's pretty, it's super light, finesse, simple stuff. Now, do you put like a trailer on the jig at all? Or are you just <coughs> fishing straight as is? 90% of the time I fish it straight as. Nice. Uh, the only times I'll ever use a trailer, I talked about this recently too, um, was for uh, specifically for largemouth fishing. Um, for some reason, when the largemouth, when it's early in the season, they seem to be even you know more lethargic than, than the smallmouth are, mm-hmm. and. I use like I'll use like a, a piece of a not even a whole flatworm but like a piece of a flatworm or like an Exxon slimmer or um used to use a cabin creek leech all the time that I would cut down, piece of a Senko, something that will just keep the jig from falling over on its side. That's the only reason why I use it. Because I literally will let it let it sit there as opposed to continuously moving it like mm-hmm. I would normally fish a jig. So. Fair enough. So it's more of a buoyancy deal than it is anything else. Yeah, it's more of just keeping it upright instead of allowing it to fall on its side. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Fair enough. So, I mean, it seems like black is your favorite color, but if anybody scrolls through your social media page, they would realize you tie synthetic hair jigs in just about any color combination imaginable to your <laughs> mind. So, like, is there, like, a go-to one besides black? Or is there multiple ones? Is it a situational deal? So, all the jigs that I that I tie, um, catch them. Uh, I've, any jig that I sell, I've caught fish on that pattern before. And I've tried it out. So, the one, I just tied this one. This is, <coughs> excuse me. I think I got some, uh some marabou flying around bothering me <laughs> um, <laughs> a little tickle <laughs> this is uh i call this avocado ghost um that's a jig that's actually been copied uh by a couple of other um tires <laughs> uh 
who who sell them um, online, which I think is absolutely hilarious, but had a huge amount of success on this. It's essentially uh, an, an olive fox or an avocado colored fox, if you can find it, and um, silver fox as well. Uh, that color combination absolutely smokes them. Uh, obviously, black is, is great, too. Um, it's another one that does really, really well that I, I came up with last year and tried it last year. Um, this is uh, gray fox, silver fox, and blue synthetic. Uh, Do you have a lot of emeralds in your water or crawl. smelt? What was that? Do you have emeralds in your water, like emerald shiners or smelt? So we we don't here. We have alewives. Um, oh, that'd be close to an alewife. Could be close. This is so I call this molten craw because you get a lot of super like white and blue crawfish, hmm. um, tiny tiny ones in a, in a couple of lakes here. Not so much in Candlewood, but in a couple of other ones that are connected to the river system. Um, so that's why I tied that. Excuse me. Um, yeah, stop tying marabou. One. What was that? I said you have to stop tying marabou. It'll get you. Oh, uh, dude, it's flying around all over the place. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just like sucked in a piece because I've been talking so much. <laughs> and, and I'll probably cough it out at some point. So that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what's that um, in between my teeth? Black marabou? Oh. <laughs> I, I swear it's Maribou. <laughs> um, Please be Maribou. Please be Maribou. <laughs> so there's okay. So we have a bunch of green sunfish in yeah. a couple of lakes by us too. So I I combine uh, olive fox and this orange fox, um, and it it mimics those those green sunfish really well. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different supernatural patterns that you can come up with to to mimic you know the the forage that's in your mm-hmm. specific body of water so but for some reason no matter where you are in the country this black hair jig catches fish i mean i've literally caught them on it you know as far south as uh you know virginia tennessee um you know all the way up to the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Now um so basically you're down to fox hair synthetic and marabou is what you're saying. That's what I stick with personally. I mean I tie a little bit of coyote too. Um the one of the keys though, I mean, you know, finding good, good synthetic stuff. Yeah. It and it takes years, honestly. It took me years to find really, really good synthetic stuff. And then the worst part is <laughs> keeping up with the supply of that synthetic stuff. Cause like they'll, they'll change, you know, constantly. Like, yeah. And they're like, Oh crap. We're back on the rabbit hunt again. We've <laughs> <laughs> got the good stuff now. Like, literally when I find it, this is, I mean, this is what happens. I mean, I, I look like a, I look like a pimp right now. You know, yeah, you saying? can wear that around, and people look at you. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
So, oh man. And so like the thumbnail for the video right there. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> what what I can do um, is I can remove. <laughs> you remove yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Here, you know, I'm I'm also I am a Jew, so I'm bar mitzvahed. So you know, I got my I got my shawl on. For all my peeps it's fantastic <laughs> and now i have a mouthful of synthetic hair too so you know it just keeps on I getting bet. better yes it keeps on giving uh, hair, <laughs> hair um, will stick to you wherever it wants to is what it comes down to so uh just one last question here on the jigs and then um i'm gonna ask you two more questions if that's cool and then we'll get you out of here and let you enjoy the rest of your evening so um what is like the biggest part of the technique when it comes to throwing that hair jig? I, I with the synthetic, I'm sure you're not just casting and slow winding like a marabou. No. Is it more like a hop? Is it like more like a Ned rig technique, kind of like a slow drag? Like, yeah. So the synthetic is very Ned rig esque, uh, super super slow. I call it counting rocks. Fun. It, so it's tedious, dude. I mean, you got to know where these fish are living. Mm -hmm. You got to. Because otherwise, you'll go out and you'll try and catch fish on hair, and you may catch, like, one. You know what I mean? Um, but that's, that, that'll be just, like, pure luck. It's not a search yeah. bait by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. So dial it in with your graphs. I, I, I don't know that early in the season you're going to be able to dial it in with other baits. But definitely with your graphs and uh then take it from there if you feel that you found a, a solid pot of fish and and you can really get it down to a specific cast where you're coming over how those fish are positioned every single time that's where a hair jig particularly the synthetic will shine um in the early parts of the year yeah i don't know how many people actually take the time out and do that because there's so many other baits you can catch them on that time of year too but right, right. i mean I think it it's situational too, depending on the body of water you have, you're fishing, how many boats are out. Like if everybody's chucking around a football jig, you're like, I'm going to go behind them with a synthetic and probably catch the big ones that they're missing. I'm assuming it's possible. <laughs> it's definitely so, possible. Yeah, there's one thing that will get you in trouble with fishing is assuming. Like, <laughs> like you start assuming what other people are doing, you spin yourself out. So yep. it's, it's quite question. comical. Yeah. I try not to listen to Doc, uh, doc Talk just because, like, I'll be like, I gotta go buy this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, crap. And then at the end of the day, I'd just do what I wanted to do in the first place. So Yeah, yeah. Just not, I, I'll never fish the way other people fish. Yeah. I always kind of do my own thing, and that's just, it is what it is. And that's why you have the reputation that you do around Candlewood. So kudos to you, Mike. So uh, first of the last two questions here, 2022 plans. What's your big plans for 2022 now that we're in the winter hunkered down? Uh, what do you have coming up? And then, uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things I really want to do in 2022 is film a lot more. Um I just started a YouTube channel like right at the end of last year. I was only able to get out and film a few times. I will not film when I'm guiding just because I don't want to deal with that sort of stuff. Um, so finding the time to get out there and film when, you know, my 
schedule is already limited. Um, that's definitely something I need to make more time for in 2022. So hopefully I'm able to get more videos out to people who actually, you know, want to see them. Um, another thing, I mean, I'll be fishing the, the bass um, regionals on the St. Lawrence in June. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, that's, that's, uh, so, I mean, I'm going to be optimistic and say, um, you know, my, my goal for that is, uh, a top 10 finish. Um, I'm, I'm a, I love sight fishing. I'm kind of known for it around here. It's a good time of year so, for that. <laughs> I mean, the kind of line, the stars are kind of lining up yeah. for that. So, I mean, I'm hopeful, right? So, I mean, I got to put in the time and find the fish and everything like that. But so that's a, a, a tournament goal, I guess you could say, for, for 2022. Um, but other than that, just, you know, enjoying life and, and my my family and uh, and introducing more and more people to this sport um that's really that's always the goal right such an incredible sport i remember like and i'm sure you got this too here before i asked you the final question back when you're younger like being almost picked on for liking fishing so much like man why don't you want to do this you're going fishing again like yeah. nobody likes fishing and then i look back and all those people that like poked fun at me for fishing when i was younger are all, all like diehard fishermen now so it's like, I was way ahead of you guys. Like, I get some of them, like, they're hitting me up for, like, guide trips. And then that's the worst part. They're like, man, I went to high school with you. You're really going to charge me? I'm like, yeah. Like, that's how I make I mean, a living. This is, this is my life. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I can't believe this. Like, I just want to go out and catch bass. I go, well, I can tell you where to catch them from the bank, but you're not going to catch big ones. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny. Like those same people like circle back that made fun of me, or I'm sure you probably experienced a little bit of it, but like, why do you like fishing so much? But um, yeah. And they come back, it's like full circle. Now they're trying to get, yeah, I guess it was kind of like a, a little bit of a nerdy thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's I, I just, I grew up in a fishing family I guess you could say so fishing was you know the norm everybody you know all the my grandfather was a huge fisherman my uncle was a huge fisherman so it was just kind of the norm for me um you know I played sports and everything like that but I always got pulled back to to fishing and so that's why the, the competitive aspect of it too appealed to me so much because it was you know something I could you know, I could compete while I was fishing, so that was cool. Absolutely. It is it's such an awesome sport. So no well Mike, I wanna say thank you again for your time tonight. Right now I'm gonna ask you the final question. I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts, but if you have, you might be familiar with this one. If you have not, it's a pleasant surprise and the best part that we enjoy about it is usually the facial reaction that comes along. <laughs> so um you're sitting down. You can bring three people with you to a dinner, have steak and beer with. They can be fishing industry. They can be anyone in the world at any time, like before Christ, maybe even future. Who would those three people be and why? Oh, 
man, that is yeah. a heck of a question. Yeah, it's it's a doozy. That's why we don't <laughs> warn you about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question, your 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 first question would be: I, I have not watched your podcast before, so <laughs> here I am in awe of this question. Um, so, uh, I think you know one of the one of the the must haves um as far as you know people who are just super intriguing to me and 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 the guy just seemed like a super super smart guy i never had the opportunity to to talk to him like i have a lot of other professional anglers but one would be aaron martins mm-hmm. um he just seemed like such an insanely knowledgeable guy and like I just wanted to be able to pick that guy's brain because he was like so focused on these little intricacies of fishing and like all these different ways that, that fish reacted to certain things. Like, you know, in, in, before in, live sight or mega before any of that stuff, like yeah. who the heck would have thought that bass are like 40 yards back in giant coontails eating blackbird babies all because like, one spit up in his life only up. man yeah. on the planet that would have known that like, the Havasu uh, tournament was wild he's like in the toolies like <laughs> it was insane he's just in literally he can't yeah. see what he's doing he's just casting into it and catching yeah. six pounders like, that's wild to me only like, aaron martins only oh, only aaron martins so yeah. so definitely definitely aaron a thousand percent yeah um as far as the other two, uh, probably going going outside of the fishing world um, for that, and I would have to say, um, so w- one of my one of my passions outside of fishing is writing. Uh, as an English major in college, um, and one of my you know, favorite writers um, who, you know, I read a, a ton of his stuff. Uh, it would have to be William Faulkner, uh, despite the racism. <laughs> uh, so don't hate on me for that, guys. <laughs> Uh, not that not that there's many people who probably have read William Faulkner who are going to watch this podcast, but in case you have, um, he it was he he's a pretty uh, pretty epic writer, um, and then another one, also a writer, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the the author of Thousand Years of Solitude. I think those are three great choices. I mean, Aaron Martin's one. And then uh, the other two, I don't think anybody has ever answered with a writer, let alone two. So uh, that that's pretty awesome, and uh, that'd be quite the interesting dinner. So <laughs> it would definitely be weird. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, fine. But Aaron would totally fit in. So oh yeah, because he could just talk about anything because it seemed like he knew everything about everything, like. I remember listening, I think it was a stray cast episode he was on, and it should have been just like ran, narrated, and um, 
I can't think of the other word right now. My mind is drawing a blank, but he should have just been like the show and just hopped on and talked and then answered his own questions. Cause I think it was like <laughs> three hours of Aaron Martin's talking and then like maybe 10 minutes of everything else. Like it was just wild. Cause he just kept going on tangents. So it's like he, I could definitely see like Aaron Martin's like in a different life being like some star writer just because of the way his brain works or he's just way over like way over analytical on things that he would just have like scribble you know like some right rappers would do and stuff like songwriters and start to scribble and write it down like i could see that also being aaron martin's so yeah, i think like, that guy was just an absolute genius yeah to be frank. I mean, I, people just don't think like that no. so and that's kind of you know that's why he would definitely be one of the people who I would I would want to you know catch a glimpse of of his thought process. Yeah, like what is going on in your brain to make you use it like a half or one percent more than everybody else? Because I think I forgot what it was. We only use as humans like five or ten percent of our total yeah, brain power. Yeah. It's like what allowed you to like just break into that next one to two percent to make you think critically and over critically of everything that like break down a synopsis of each scenario that possibly could come to hand and why and always have an answer why and another answer for why to the why it's like <laughs> he was nuts <laughs> loved no it no question like he's probably the only person that could put out like a 45 minute drop shot how to video and it's just tying a hook onto a line and why <laughs> So why like, yeah, like like why he used the knot that he used and yeah. the line that he used and that specific hook. Yeah. You know, I mean there's, there's yeah. He was definitely definitely got very, very into the nuances and intricacies. Yeah. There's not too many people in the world and uh rest his soul, it's a sad like the world lost a true genius and overall awesome person in the fishing community and everything else. It, it's sad that he went the way he did so soon. So, oh, always happens to the good ones, right? It does. Then the bad ones will live to be like 120 and haunt us all, I guess. So, <laughs> yep. So, uh, well, on that note, Mike, I want to say thank you again for uh, taking your time here to come on with us. Like I said, I know it's been quite some time that me and you have talked about getting you on here and I'm glad that we were finally able to make it happen. And maybe if I'm ever out that way, I'll shoot you a text or give you a call so I can uh, pay for a trip on Candlewood to see what this hair jig's all about. No doubt, man. I got to, so, maybe I'll be able to bring them up to Erie one day and show you how that goes up there. Uh, I, I would have to assume it, it would work quite oh. well. I'm sure it would. I'd be quite interested to see that. I don't know. Like, I guess I should have asked you what weights you tend to use. Are they like eighth, three sixteenth, five sixteenth? Just real quick. So eighths and quarters are like the standard. Yeah. But um, yeah, you da- I dabble with other weights too. It all kind of depends on you know, the, the situation. Yeah. Current too is a big factor. So. Got it. Well, Mike, thank you for everything today and. I'm sure Thanks we'll be talking. Me, dude. That was a great last question. That yes, yeah. that was awesome. Totally, like you know, unrelated to fishing, and made me think. You, you made me go way into the memory banks for that one. Yeah, um, 
I'll give uh, kudos to Bailey on that one. He was the brainchild on that because he's been doing it since like episode one. And I think you're like 267 or 268 at this point. So we pump out two to three episodes a week, which is kind of crazy for like the last awesome. two years. Keep it so. up, man. I'll have to tune in to more. We um, appreciate it. More of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, and um, I'm sure you pay attention a little bit, but they're always big name guys like we. I feel like at this point we've had half the elite series on the chat. So, it, oh, that's awesome! It's and a lot got, of fun. You know, this idiot on here. No, but that's <laughs> that's the platform, right? We we get people on who love bass fishing. So nobody's wrong. Nobody's an idiot. It, it's just all because of the love of the sport. So we we give we try to give everybody an equal voice, no matter who you are, big or small. So. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. You have a good day now. and Well, actually, night at this point, everybody who's listening will be Friday morning. But um, thank you again. And for now, guys, have a great day, I guess I'll say. I'm going to end it. (laughs) Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.